You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shimshon, uh, this is for Parshish Pinchas, so he explains Pinchas here. Medrash Yalkut. He quotes the Medrash in the Yalkut. Al Pasuk Vehema Bochem. Um, Zimri takes Cosby, they go off to the tent, and everyone is just crying. Says the Medrash. Why was this halacha taken away? Why did it vanish from Moshe? The answer is, So that Pinchas could come and take what's, what was deservedly his. Then the Medrash adds something which is difficult. At this point itself is difficult. What does that mean that he was supposed to get what was his? But then the Medrash adds, Moshe, so because Moshe was, I guess let's translate it straightforward, was lazy in the matter, lo yada ish That's why he was punished, seemingly, that no one knew where Moshe Rabbeinu is buried. This teaches you, adam lios az kanamer, you have to be bold as a leopard. To do the will of the Creator. When he can, and this is the source, Mikana Talamit from here you learn, Shemedaktek Hakadesh Baruchu Ematzadikim Kechuta Asaira, that Hashem is exact when it comes to the righteous, to the um, breadth of a hair, meaning even the slightest transgression comes with very serious punishment. Now, all of this obviously is difficult, but he's going to focus on a couple of questions. Vikasha Reisha Lesefe. So he says the first part of the, the, this Medrash contradicts the second part of the Medrash. The Mikara Amar, first it says, that the halacha was taken away, meaning the halacha was vanished um, from Moshe, because this was Pinchas's time to shine. Which sounds like Hashem removed this halacha from the mind of Moshe so that Pinchas could be, do what he needs to do. And then it says, because Moshe was lazy, so he was punished, and we don't know where his where he is buried. That means that Moshe could have done it and should have done it. But oh, furthermore, my Indian Veloyada Ishas Kavarasa, what's the connection for people not knowing where he's buried in Halacha with this halacha? What's how is that measure for measure? Va'od, furthermore, if Moshe was lazy, laziness is a terrible thing. That might be the worst thing Moshe Rabbeinu is ever accused of. Laziness. You know, sometimes you have Moshe Rabbeinu made a mistake, he made an assumption. You know, these, these, are, these are mistakes of the mind, errors in calculation. But to suggest that Moshe Rabbeinu was somehow lazy, that's a Pretty serious thing to do. Read all of Mishnah, you'll see how terrible laziness is. So then we wouldn't say on that that Hashem was accounting Moshe for even the slightest transgression with a terrible punishment. If Moshe was at some point lazy, like, like, oh, I can't be bothered, that's, first of all, it doesn't sound like Moshe, but that that would be that would deserve a real punishment. Right. So that wouldn't be Right. So he dives straight into the deep and Kabbalistic. 
B'yesh Lamar, so I'd like to suggest. Shikazu HaMekubalim, the Kabbalists tell us that Pinchas had a really big job to do. Um, much of what lays underneath the story of the Torah is we've talked about the collection of sparks and things like that, but there's a fixing of certain souls that needs to occur. And these souls run through the story of uh, underneath layers of the Torah. So he says, Shepinchas, Pinchas, his role number one, was as the grandson of Yisro, it was his job to undo the sins of his grandfather, who worshipped, who fattened calves for idols. Furthermore, Pinchas is also a grandson of Yosef. Pinchas's father, Elazar, was married to one of the daughters of Yisrael. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Not only that, that's in, that's in the Gemara. That's not his, uh, his thing. Furthermore, Pinchas was also a grandson of Yosef because his, uh, his, um, there's a question about whether it's referring to his, his, um, mother's mother, or, or you know, this uh, may possibly um, his father's mother's um, um, mother, um, right? But somewhere through the mother's side, he was a descendant of Yosef, and the, and the Arizal tells us that um, Yosef, as we know, um, was supposed to overcome the test of the wife of Potiphar completely. But he didn't quite succeed, as the holy books tell us, because he already started the process. And what that led to was the um, um, seed issuing from his ten fingers. So, there were whatever, however that works, let's not get into it now. So, but Pinchas had a job to do. He had to fix the pagam of Yosef, um, the blemish of Yosef, Shivayofuzu Zeroe Yadav, of the dispersions of the arms of his hands. The Gemara tells us in Baba Basra that he was of the daughters of Putiel. And Puti, Tarti Mashma, Puti can be referring to either one of two people. Either Mizara Yosef, it's, he was a descendant of Yosef, Shepitbeit Beyitzro, who basically made a mockery of his evil, evil inclination and overcame the inclination. Or Mizara Yisro, and um, he was the son of Yisro, fattened calves for idol worship. Furthermore, if that wasn't enough of a job, Pinchas also had to fix his two uncles, Nadav and Avihu. V'hoyla l'sakin nami nishmos Nadav and Avihu, shigam heim chatu and in fact, they sinned in a similar way to Yisro, if you think about it, they brought a strange fire into the Beis HaMikdash. And furthermore, they didn't want to get married, which is a similar challenge to the challenge of Yosef. So, so strange and Zerah, like, is that the same root, or is it different, Ayin and Aleph? When, uh, with what? Zerah. How, how well, Zerah is with an Ayin. Right, but Zar is a strange, yeah. It's that uh, they have the same Zion race, which um, really means dispersion. But um, the the uh, and he wants you, 
And he's collecting this from the Arizal. But he wants you to recognize the theme. Two directions that Pinchas needs to fix. Yisro, idol worship. Yosef, immorality. Nadavanaviu, idol worship and immorality. Ba'ata ba'maisa zimri. What? I was not getting married in morality. The same area of Zanut. And uh, not a pro- one's just in one direction, the other one's in the other yeah, direction. Right. So he says, Zimri, in this story of Zimri, what were the Jewish people doing? Sorry. <laughs> so during this story of Zimri, what were the Jewish people doing? So if you if you read the parsha, you'll see that there were actually two separate sins that were being committed by the Jewish people. Number one, immorality. immorality. They were off with the Midianite women and uh, with the Moabite women and the Midianite women. And number two, Zara. They were worshiping the Baal Peor. So he says this story, the whole story, was a setup for Pinchas. He says Ubaharigas Zimri. With one spear, so uh, one one uh, one stone killing all those birds. So he had with one spear nisaknu kal elu on the shamos. He fixed every one of these souls. Wow. Because the most powerful fixer in the world is dying al kiddush Hashem. Even though in this case he didn't die, but he gave his life up. He was Moser Nafsho. He was willing to die. Al Kiddush Hashem. That was so powerful that he fixed all of these things. We 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 think that he did. That's what uh, I mean. If that's what he was meant to do, he must have had some understanding of what he was doing. We look in the Targum of Yonas and Benuziel. Tirgem al bochim. He translates on the words that the people were sitting there and crying. He says, strangely, as the words, they were crying, and they were reciting the Shema. That's what he says. It's interesting, because the Kamati of Ramach as well, the spear is 248 Shema. Right. Well, he's going to say that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he says, well, what's the connection with Shema? Why were they reading Shema? <coughs> it appears to Mepharshim, so the Mepharshim tell us, that the reason why they read the Shema was they, they were trying to get people to change, and people weren't listening. So they read the Shema, to remind the Jewish people of the oneness of Hashem, because what were the two sins? The sins of the heart, which is Avodah and the sins of the eyes, which is immorality. So Shema, or specifically the third parsha, is it, it keeps you away from those two sins. So since these were the two sins that were happening at this time, these were the two sins that were the challenge of the moment, therefore they were reading the Shema to inspire the Jewish people. But he says, I think there's more here. Well, it's done there. In my opinion. It's an interesting Gemara in Megillah. The Gemara says, Someone who all of a sudden feels afraid. Uh, 
This is not referring to, you know, if you watch a, a scary film, if you watch a scary film, you're going to be afraid. You know, that's the, that's the solution. If anyone ever feels, uh, ever feels like they're lonely, they say watch a, a, watch a very scary movie and then close all the lights and you'll, you won't feel alone. That's not what this is referring to. That's funny. This is, we're saying someone who all of a sudden feels like out of nowhere and unfeeling, they feel some fear. So the Gemara says that that's actually a very serious thing, because your alpha gav the iula chazi. There's something happening right now. You can't see it, but mazle chazi, your connection up to shemayim, which is called your mazel, that sees something and it's afraid. Says the Gemara, my tekante. So what do you do? Says the Gemara, likari kriyashma. You should read the Shema, and that resolves the problem. So he says, Afkan, so here what's happening is, Moshe of Yisrael Rafu Yedeim Mimasezimri. The Jewish people lost all their strength um, when Zimri did what he did. Zimri, not just from the um, action, but the audacity of Zimri. Moshe, who says to Moshe, Bas Yisro Mihitiralach, who permitted you to marry the daughter of Yisro, and furthermore, he spoke out against Hashem publicly. Zimri basically found the way that he didn't worship idols. He was only with this, and there was really nothing that anyone could do. And he just basically spat in the face of everyone, including Hashem. Now the thing is, Moshe could have come up with this ruling that Boel Aram is Kanaim Pogumbo, that he should take the spear and uh, put it through Zimri. But something told him he couldn't. Moshe couldn't tell that it was Pinchas's moment, but his mazel could. Like the person who's afraid, sometimes you have this very powerful feeling about how something is supposed to be, and you can't put your finger on it. That's why he reads the Shema, hoping to get a better understanding of what's happening with this feeling inside him. I think he says, I think that's a very simple explanation. If the Shema is supposed to reconnect you to a feeling that you're having, so that you can um, perform that better. Moshe was saying Shema? Right, that's what he's saying. Moshe said the Shema because he was having this feeling like he's not supposed to be doing something, um, but he knows what he should be doing, so he's reciting the Shema. But th- that's, of course, only on an outer lay. He takes us much deeper than this. He says, Amna Matsinu Shapirish Arama. He quotes from the Rama Mipano. The Rama Mipano says that when you recite the Shema, you have the ability to fix things in the upper world. So says the Ramami Pana, this is unbelievable, that whenever you do a sin in the world below, you don't just cause damage to this world, you cause damage to the upper world. So he says Moshe was fixing whatever Zimri was breaking. Zimri is down here doing this act and causing all kinds of horrible damage to the upper world. And there's a battle between Zimri doing his thing and Moshe is reciting the Shema. How could he be fixing it if Pinchas is supposed to fix it? Or was Pinchas only No, no, that's one explanation. That's one explanation. I see. Now he's saying that the reason why Moshe is reciting Shema, based on the Ramami Pano, is that Moshe is up there in that world, whatever bricks and 
and the buildings that Zimri is knocking down, Moshe is building them back up. So you have to say, this is the Zerah Shimshon's own words, that his intention when when he was fixing all those worlds, he knew that at the same time he was bringing death on Zimri. He was. This is like a um, uh, epic battle between good and evil, which um, as Zimri's sending all these terrible forces up to the upper worlds to destroy them, Moshe is sending all these holy forces above to fix them, and eventually, the what's going to happen is Zimri is going to die. Didn't Zimri know that Moshe could help? Like prank him in in that regard, and he could take him down. Yeah, but uh, Zimri was doing what he was doing because he needed to save his tribe. Okay. Okay. So he says, now what happens is um, we've seen the examples of this before. When a tzaddik needs to um, kill someone, what the tzaddik does. Not when he needs to, but you know, when he finds himself in a position where he has to end up killing someone, what the tzaddik does is he doesn't hit, hurt the person physically. Your body is just a machine that's charged. The tzaddik pulls the battery. What he does is um, he collects the kedusha, the life itself, which powers the person, and draws that towards the holiness. And then what that leaves is just a big pile of bones. So you know to me, man who called Chiyuso, he was going to take all his life from him. Venisha Chalal Umeis, he'd be left empty and dead. Kamashikasu Amakubalim, as the Kabbalists write, Al Vasik, Mata Chalal Rasha, you are the emptiness of the wicked. Shaharasha Nikra Chalal, the wicked one is called empty. Shurek Vechalal Minakadisha because he's void of holiness. Vazumais Venase Chalal Shiratzalamar Mais, and then he dies, becomes a Chalal. Chalal is another word for a corpse. Tufize Asishaper Aramis Shalakadmonim, that's why the Kadmonim tell us Shurasha Tevas Bochim, that word Bochim, right. they were Bochim, says he's Baruch Kavod Hashemim Komo. Meaning that Baruch Kavod Hashem Mkomo is the unification of Hashem and returning all the holiness that's of Hashem to Hashem. So when Moshe was reciting the Shema here, it's an incredible concept, he is fixing the upper worlds, drawing the holiness towards them, which at the same time draws all the holiness away from Zimri and would have left Zimri dead. The Im Kalzeh... didn't have to kill him. Oh, let's let's let the Zerushimshin tell us. Furthermore, uh, first of all, because even though maybe you'll say he forgot the halacha, that if uh, one has relations with a Gentile woman during the process, you're allowed to kill him. But we know there's another rule that Moshe should have remembered. The basin is allowed to kill. Someone who doesn't deserve death. 
if the time or the situation requires it. Now, this is a very, very dangerous halacha discussed in Sanhedrin, there the Gemara tells us that there was a certain man who rode a horse on Shabbos and the rabbis had him killed. Even though riding a horse is only a rabbinical prohibition, uh, the rabbis had him killed because it was getting so bad the people's um, irreverence and disrespect for Shabbos, the way that people were were behaving. So, right, so they had to make an example, and so, um, so they they killed this person. The Gemara gives another example that there were a man and a, and a woman who were together in a uh, semi-public place. And so they had them killed as well, even though they were permitted to each other. But um, there are times and places when we have to go beyond what the law allows. And there's a, the, the Gemara derives it, and the parameters of that are very difficult. First of all, it has to be a Sanhedrin. It's not up to you. But uh, e- even there, when they do ha- could do it and when they can do it, that's a complicated and thing. this was before Sanhedrin, wasn't it? Because Laini Koladat... Right. So here he says, So Moshe should have called upon that right and have killed Zimri, even if he forgot the Allah. What do we see in Torah that if, somebody, if you catch him in an act, you're allowed to kill him? This is Allah on Moshe Messina. It's not written in the Torah. That's why Moshe forgot it. Because it's not, it, it, was, it was handed down. And that's what Pinchas says to him. When you came down from Arsinai, you told us this rule, because there's a few such rules. A few things that are called Allah and Moshe Messinai, and they don't have, they're not written in the Torah. Do we know any of them uh, besides this? Uh, that, that uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it'll get really complicated. It's the concept of Eser and the Teos would be an example. So that a field, you're not supposed to plant a field, not just on Shemitah, but you're not supposed to work a field 30 days before Shemitah. So if there's 10 trees in a field that are within a base core, which is a certain amount, then you can water it within 30 days because then the water will grow, it will make the tree grow then, it won't be growing for later, you know, some complicated, and uh, a few other, uh, a few other such examples. Uh, complicated laws. This is the, this is one of those that's straightforward, so simple to explain. It sounds like the, the Sanhedrin, I assume 72, goes, okay. So it sounds like Sanhedrin wasn't simply the interpreter of the law, sort of like we have the Supreme Court who decides what's constitutional what's not. Here, the Sanhedrin could create make the law. law. No, yeah, the typically, law. typically, they are the interpreters. But there's a law given to Moshe that in cases of need, Basin has the right to, it's called Makin Ve'onshen Shalom in Hadin. You could do against against the law, against the rules, for the sake of the better good. That's not known, and obviously it's not practiced with another Sanhedrin, because it's a very dangerous halacha. So the Zerah Shimshon wants to explain that we're holding Moshe accountable for not calling on that law. Secondly, he says, that Moshe was supposed to kill Zimri in this world, not through some complex system of going through the upper world. He says, He'll say Moshe didn't want to get his hands dirty, 
meaning he didn't feel that he was supposed to kill him with his hands. How yachal lahargo is Hashem kadosh, but you can kill someone using Hashem's name. He did in Egypt. 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 Kemosh like he killed the Egyptian. There you go. Halargeni ata homer, as uh, Nadav said to, uh, as uh, I'm sorry, Dasan said to uh, said to Moshe, "Will you speak to me and kill me?" So because Moshe failed in both these areas, and it's understood for Moshe to be a kind of laziness, that's why he was punished. On the other hand, Pinchas... What was Moshe's punishment for this? Well, he said that we don't know where he's buried, which we'll see the connection soon. Pinchas, on the other hand, he showed alacrity, he showed speed, he showed excitement. So he took Shema. He didn't just recite the Shema and go up in the upper worlds. He took that Shema. He took the spear in his hand. He took the 248 letters of the Shema. This is why that kind of level of Mesiris Nefesh allowed Pinchas to ascend and to reach the level of Malach. Right, exactly. It's b'chol levavcha, b'chol nafshecha, b'chol modecha too. Right? He, I mean, he put everything on the line here. So he says he becomes a malach. Uh, the word malach means a messenger, but malach is also the numerical value should be gematria tzadi aleph. The word malach is gematria exactly ninety one. Yud Kevavke is 26, and Adnus is 65, and you put them together, and you get 91. What that means is, and we've discussed this in the Wednesday night classes, that the Yichud of Havaya and Adoshem, Havaya represents God who is beyond all the worlds, and Adoshem represents God as master of the world, um, as, as we are. And we, we explain there that Shema Yisrael, is Hashem Echad, which is God is one, and we don't understand how that works. But Baruch Shem, Kvod Malchusa, refers to God's kingship, that's the lower unification. So he brought together the upper unification and the lower unification, because for us human beings, we see a difference between them. But for angels, they don't see a difference between them. They can say them both without contradiction. Because they have a higher level of understanding of us. There are certain tzaddikim who reach that level of the angel where they could say Shema Yisrael and Baruch Sheb and understand how they are not a contradiction. That's why when, when Yaakov Avinu, when, when his sons say Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Achad, and by the way, when they were saying it, they were saying Shema Yisrael, they were referring to him yeah. by his name. It was prophecy, otherwise they wouldn't have been able to say their father's name. But but the, they said prophetic, Shema Yisraeli, which Yaakov responds with Baruch Shem, because Yaakov was on the level where Shema Yisrael and Baruch Shem both made sense to him. M- Moshe, on the other hand, when he, in just a few weeks, is going to say Shema Yisrael to the Jewish people, and there it's Yisrael, does not feel that the people standing in front of him are on the level where they could say Shema Yisrael and Baruch Shem. Says the Gemara, well, what are we supposed to do? Do we say Baruch Shem like Yaakov did, or do we not say it like Moshe did? So we whisper it, as if to say, we're going to say recite each one separately, and one day we will come to the level where we will understand that by Yom Hashem Echad, 
And that's why today we see Yud Kevavke, but we can only say Alef Dalad Nun because we're not on the level where we can truly understand Yud Kevavke. But on that time, we'll be able to recite. That's why the Kohen Gadol could say Yud Kevavke. Anyway, there's a lot, a lot there. The Malach is 91 because the Malach has reached up, is a being that does understand. That Havaya and Adosham go together, that's why his numerical value is 91. So he says, Pinchas took the Ramach, took 248 letters of Shema, and made them all one. He had them as one spear, one single tool, which means he reached the level of the Malach. That's why he becomes Eliyahu Anavi, because he reaches the level of the angel through that process, through the unification, as if he recited Shema so powerfully, combined with the action of killing Zimri, that brought him to such a high level of the unification of Hashem through Shema, and the uh, Messiris Nefesh, which is really what Shema is all about, that he became an angel. Interesting. I was just thinking, 248, when he had all those numbers, it comes out to 14, which is Yad, and he took the spear in his hand. Yeah, unifying them. Now the Medrash tells us, that it says, no man knew his burial. It says, only people didn't know. Even Moshe doesn't know where he's buried. The angels do know where he's buried. Moshe Rabbeinu was supposed to bring himself to the level of a full angel. If you remember at the end of the Torah, it says, um, and we say that he was Chatsi Ish, Chatsi Malach. So Zereshimshon, I don't know where he gets this from, suggests that the process, Moshe's personal journey, was supposed to have him be complete malach. a complete malach. Almost as if Moshe could have been Eliyahu Hanavi, the, the, the angel who comes to tell us so in the future. So this was on a higher level, even though... Well, in this particular area, he becomes a malach. He becomes, because he's saying, that's where the other Isha's Kivarasa, no one knows where Moshe's buried, because Moshe's burial site was not supposed to be known, but only to the angels, as if he was supposed to become an angel. So doesn't Eliyahu know where he's buried? Well, he's Pithas. What? Eliyahu. I guess Eliyahu would know. He wouldn't know. be buried at all. What? If he would have become an angel, he wouldn't be buried right, at all. Right, right. Yeah. He, he doesn't add that point. Like right. Leo, right. So he says, but that's a very, very fine point to hold, because Moshe is trying to kill Zimri. He's just trying to do it in the different most way. Uh, different right. way. So but that's what we say. Hashem is exacting with the righteous even up to a hair's breadth. Again, an incredible explanation of the whole story of... of uh, of uh, Zimri and uh, Pinchas and Moshe, just the, the way that he's understanding, and it's interesting that he sees this as Moshe um, should have taken this role and should have done all this, and instead it was given to uh, Pinchas took advantage. But he says there was something that Moshe felt. He felt like he's not supposed to do it, and so he reciting Shema. And uh, in order to find that, but in the end it was Pinchas who was supposed to get it. All right, uh, page Reish Nun Hey. Okay, um, 
say I don't have much time, so I'm going to just uh, read, try to read this quickly. It says, Tachas Asher Kine Lelokov by Chaper Yisrael. Because he was zealous for God, he atoned for all the Jewish people. Makshim, everyone asks, That whole verse is extra. It already says in the previous verse that he avenged God's vengeance. And Rashi uses a funny expression, uses the same word three times. Pinchas um, um, expressed the rage for the rage which I should have raged. Uh-huh. And because of this, he merited the covenant of peace and the covenant of kahuna. What I should have just said is, He withdrew back my anger. Therefore, the shalom hanuchayim nitzchiyim, because when we talk about peace, we mean that he got eternal life. And he got to be kohanim. You don't need more. What do you need? The tachas You just... That if you look, take a look at the beginning of Parshas Minchas, you see it just keeps repeating the same same words over again. Rashi says, If Hashem was supposed to get angry, then why didn't Hashem get angry? If Hashem didn't get angry, it means there was a reason not to get angry. Then why is Pinchas getting angry? So if you say that Hashem wasn't angry, but Pinchas was angry for Hashem, then I get it. But how can Pinchas do something which Hashem was supposed to do? The Gemara tells us the Sanhedrin. The halacha is that a man who has relations, a Jewish man who has relations with a Gentile woman, Kanaim Pogimbo, those who are zealous can kill that person. Lo Pogubo Kanaim, but what happens if there's no Kanaim, there's no zealous people to do it? Says the Gemara, that there's a Pasik in Malachi, Yachres Hashem Isha Yasana, Hashem will give Kares, will cut off the one who does it. Lo Lo Ervaona, he shall not have any descendants. Vimkain, so says the Zerashimshan, an incredible idea. If nobody would have killed Zimri, his punishment would have been kares. I will call Mishachayev kares, and it may take but if you have kares, you don't die right away. Kares means you die after a certain amount of time. That's what it means. Hashem was going to punish him at a certain time where it would be the punishment of Kares. So Pinchas undertook to punish Zimri in place of what Hashem was going to do in the future. Pinchas Pinchas did it right away. Which was his obligation. So he gets eternal life because of the anger which he withdrew. Again, he's saying that because God was supposed to punish Zimri through by killing him, Kares, so then Pinchas, who does this for God, earns the right to be freed from death. 
So he says, killing Zimri, how does that translate into becoming a Malach and living forever? Because Zimri was supposed to die, and it's like he took God's scythe in hand and kills Zimri for Hashem. He now has the rights, the keys to life, and merits eternal life. And here's the big one. And when he kills Zimri, he saves Zimri's kids. Because if the zealous person doesn't kill him, he would have had kares. And the halach is that someone who has kares, not just he dies, but his children die as well. And the Gemara tells us that even if his children don't die, but they, they, they have no Torah knowledge. They have no, like, they, they lose, they lose any of their observance. So he says that by Pinchas killing Zimri, he saves Zimri's children. How many children did he have? doesn't say. And the Pasik tells us that if he's a Kohen, you know, he won't have any children or religious. But by being zealous, you do the judgment to him. Then you could have descendants who are Chachamim and Kohanim. Only when someone gets Kares directly from Hashem. And furthermore, we have a rule. We do judgment below. There's no judgment down above. That's why he was given the concept that his descendants should be the Kohanim. Not just Kohuna, but that the Kohanim Gedolim would be of the descendants of Pinchas. Who would have to be that Talmud Chacham? That's the repetition in the verse. There's two separate things that are happening here. Number one is he punished Zimri and he killed Zimri who was supposed to die and he did this and for that he merits eternal life. That's Brisi Shalom, that's the covenant of life. But then the Torah repeats itself. Because he avenged for God and he atoned. When I said that he should be a coin forever, Shamarti Kohen, I don't mean that he should become a coin. as we know he wasn't a coin up till then. That he will be Kohanim Gedolim. Furthermore, Vaichaper Al Yisrael, he's gonna learn later, means and that he will be the Kohen Gadol who will atone forever for the Jewish people. So he says, incredibly, amazing, that for, his, for the act of killing Zimri, that he married eternal life. But for saving Zimri's children, by allowing Zimri's children to live a life, not just to live, but to live and have the opportunity to maintain... Looks like he did Zimri himself also a favor. Right, well, he, that he did a favor, but that's a separate point. He's saying that the Kuhunas Olam, having his children be, be Kohanim forever, and it says not only that, but Kohanim Gedolim, who have the opportunity to atone for the Jewish people, comes from the fact that he just saved the whole family amongst the Jewish people. And he goes on to explain that that's the repetition in the verses. Um, you know, the, uh, the point, though, is if we're going to take any lesson from, uh, from Pinchas, 
it's, it's not that we should kill anyone or grab a spear in hand, but the, the lesson should be, as he said, that what it's about, it's about Atzlos versus Rizos. And the way he explained before, that the failure of Moshe wasn't that he wasn't going to do it, but he was going to try to do it in a way that was a little less, a little more roundabout than was necessarily um, appropriate. Well, Pinchas just said if this is the way it needs to be done, let's just do it the right way. If there's anything we're going to work on this week, let it, let it be the lessons that we learned from the Parsha. Oh, you want to say Kaddish? Oh, sorry. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.